Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We've watched a sci-fi movie and we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And, you know, it's a little, you know, we try and be in-depth and work through a lot of the movie and talk about theories and ideas and maybe a little bit of analysis, possibly some shenanigans from time to time. But that's the idea, give or take. Uh, so today's episode, we are looking at Blade Runner 2049. Uh, and why are we looking at this movie in particular this week? It's because, well, we've already done the original. The original won a vote uh, to be done like a year and a half ago. So we did the original quite a while ago. And uh, neither one of us are huge fans, I think it's fair to say. Maybe that's even putting it lightly, but I'll, just to be diplomatic about it, that's the, the general sentiment. And we have Dune coming out, the new version of Dune. And we thought that it would make a lot of sense to do the Denis Villeneuve films that were science fiction before Dune comes out, as well as, of course, the original Dune by uh, David Lynch, who is phenomenal and doesn't do a lot of sci-fi, so it's, it's a special treat to get to talk about a David Lynch movie, even though it's the least David Lynch David Lynch movie, except maybe Elephant Man, which is also very... not super David Lynch in terms of style. Very good! Elephant Man's a great film, but it's not like a super David Lynch-y movie. But, but anyway, that's the reason. We're doing Blade Runner 2049. We will be doing Arrival in the near future. Not next week, but in the near future. And we will be doing those films before we get to uh, the release of Dune in October, which is only a few months away now. So, uh, after many delays, because that movie was meant to come out last Christmas. So, yeah. So, that's, that's kind of cool. And we'll see how that, that pans out. And maybe Daniel finally have a, have a hit in his hands, financially. Because thus far... It's not really worked out for him in a box office way. So we shall see. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tara, would you like to uh have a bit of an intro yourself? No. No. No, no that, that was good. But you you're the one who like loved this movie when it came out, so you you, you must be enthusiastic. You must be hate. Oh yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Hmm. Because I, I was a bit more mixed on this film. Um, there's things, when it came out, I liked about it, but there was also some things that I didn't like about it and some things that didn't quite click for me at the time. So I was very fascinated coming into this watch. Uh, this is the first time I've watched it since I saw it in theaters to see if I'd feel differently, to see if things that I, I didn't like as much the first time were going to feel less so or outright different this time or if it was going to be the same again and you know maybe we'll get into why we feel differently on it, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, but I'm going to make Tara answer the question first. Tara, how did you feel upon rewatching Blade Runner 2049? Well, I was very enthusiastic after I left the theater, seeing it for the first time. Um, I definitely thought it was just the best movie of the best sci-fi movie I had seen that year, at least. And uh, what a like a beautiful film to look at too. Um, Roger Deakins did the choreography or the cinematography, excuse me, for that. And, uh, you know, you can always tell when it's him because the man has got an extraordinary eye. Um, yeah, I still love it. Um, I actually, I haven't watched the movie very much. I, I think I saw it twice when it came out in theaters, and uh, this is the first time I've viewed it since then. And it is uh, still really 
very good. I still really love it. I do have a problem with it also, and I'll just get it out of the way. My problem with it is that if there's even a little bit of daylight in your room, you're not going to be able to see anything going on in the film. It is dark sometimes. <laughs> a lot of the film is very dark. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, TV screen, if you've got a fancy OLED, which I don't for the record, this is not me uh, rubbing it in because I don't have this, uh, but I'm sure people who have fancy OLEDs don't have that problem because they, yeah. they've got the fancy tech. But, um, yeah, I... Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll just, to, to jump on something you said there, the reason why I suspect you haven't seen it a bunch of times since it came out is probably because it's almost three hours long, so therefore it's... It's not, it's not quite a watch on a whim kind of movie. It's more of a no. make time for it because it's going to take you almost three hours to sit through it. So Yeah. Um, you know, for better or worse. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Sadly, I have to say I feel pretty much the exact same as I did when I saw it the first time. There was one big element of the, the movie's plot that really was like a... It, it, it was like... I was on one of those, like medieval death traps right um you think pit in the pendulum right and the, the axe is like swinging from my neck there's a plot thread in the movie on the first time where i kind of had the feeling that i was just waiting for that axe to sort of eventually hit me because i really dreaded something the movie was sort of teasing and you know we're not in spoilers yet you know we'll, we'll, we're starting this off spoiler free but i will say that what I was worried about ended up not being the case, uh, and mm-hmm. I was very relieved by that. But it, I, I did spend a lot of the movie being concerned about it, though. And I was wondering if that that difference, like going in knowing where it was going, was going to make a a significant difference for me. And I, and I don't think it really did, bizarrely. Um, all the things I liked the first time, I still like, and all, all of the, particularly the cinematography and the the visuals and the music and uh, all of much like the original Blade Runner, all the technical stuff, I do think there's some mm-hmm. storytelling in this that is just better than the original film, so I do think this is a better movie. Um, but just about any time, it leans on the characters or the story that was apparently told in the first one, particularly in regards to the romance. <laughs> um, I, I find myself just kind of feeling disconnected from the film because i don't really buy it or believe it or uh feel any of the weight of that or feel any of the emotion of that um i do think some of the ways it connects to the original film are actually quite good and i think early on especially there's kind of a mystery element you know that that something's found that sort of starts off the investigation i think that starting point is actually quite good uh Mm -hmm. once we actually delve into kind of where it goes though i kind of just lose more and more interest a little bit and some of the concepts they introduce I just I like I don't I don't dislike any of the ideas, uh, and the sad part is that much like the original Blade Runner, there's a moment right at the very end because the original Blade Runner I always talk about how that speech that monologue from uh, Rutger Hauer is so good, and I wish that the rest of the movie lived up to that moment. It's not quite as extreme in this, but there is a moment right at the very end that I really like, and I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I was feeling like I was building to this. I wish I f- felt like I was building to this the last hour because again, it's like two hours forty minutes. Uh, there is a much better love story in this one, though. That uh, I will still, I still have tough issues with it, but it is better. <laughs> it is much better. I, I will say that. Um, and then uh, the, the thing I can say outright uh, before we talk about anything else is that Jared Little is garbage in this. His character is garbage. His character is not needed. And if you cut out just his two scenes, 
you would be saving like a good 15 minutes to 20 minutes of the runtime. <laughs> I don't hate the Jared Leto stuff. <laughs> I, I think it poses some interesting questions. And plus, um, he's just the new Tyrell from the first one. This is actually something I'm going to give the first one points for. I thought Tyrell was a more interesting character. Because Ty- Tyrell had this thing where he kind of felt like he, he was a bit of a father figure in a sense, where you got, kind of got the impression that he did actually kind of mm-hmm. care about them a, a little bit. Jared Leto just comes off as a goddamn psychopath. Like, he's just a psycho. And I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't enjoy his performance. He's he's basically still playing the Joker, just in a slightly different, you know, setting. <laughs> Um, I guess I don't really I, I don't really see it that way, but there are, there are elements of his like character that I that I do like. Okay, okay, well we'll get to this. I think just Jared Leto because he's got this you know stank around him, the actor <laughs> that it's um yeah he pops up on screen and you're like I don't, just don't like him, but it feels like I don't I definitely don't think he's a bad actor. He was a horrible Joker, but. I don't know how much of that was his fault. <laughs> he comes that off movie as, was terrible. He comes off as someone who takes his acting so seriously that mm-hmm. he just it it becomes this unlikable douchebag about it. Uh, even on screen as you're watching the performance play out, because there's a lot of actors who take their you know, their role seriously. They're, they're they're thespians. They really you know want to give a good performance and they they treat the roles with with that kind of level. But I, I really get, like, try-hard vibes from Jared Leto a lot of the time. And I, I, I do include that very much in this film. There's moments in this where he's, he's sort of monologuing. and He's monologuing in a way where I don't even hear half the shit he says because I just zone out. Because he's just he's just saying nonsense uh, at, at a certain point. And it's just kind of like, I just I can't pay attention to you because you're just annoying to listen to. You're, you're, you're saying big words and you're trying to sound philosophical and... Um, okay, but again, that's like the script, though. That's not Jared Leto as a person coming through there. Uh, it's a little. I mean, someone else may have been delivered the lines better. Someone else may have delivered them in a way where the the points got across better. Like uh, you know, I think that's there's a bit of tit, tit for tat there. <laughs> so, hmm. but yeah, okay. So that's, I yeah. really, I really enjoy the. Um... Like the the post apocalypse of um, global warming and, or I guess also nuclear war, since there's so much radiation, that um, I like how they took the design of the first film and made entirely new places that we hadn't seen before in this world. I think they're all really strong, all of those um, those set pieces. Yeah, yeah, we find out San Diego is basically just a big waste dump for all the trash and waste that comes out of LA, which is now huge and has like, like, there's like the regular size buildings, which are probably similar to what we have now, and then the absolutely huge ones that are towering over those, and there's a big, Mm -hmm. huge wall that's keeping the ocean out, because presumably sea levels have, you know, skyrocketed in the last 30 years. I mean, maybe not even 30, maybe they were already that bad in Blade Runner, they just never showed it, but um you know because obviously we're in this you know fictional world where we have to accept that 2019 and blade runner was that they're 2019 right. and this is now right. yeah <laughs> so this, this is not 30 years in our future this is 30 years in the blade runner future so yeah. i think that's an important distinction to make i think um even though those and they, they, they have some fun with that the atari logo is in one of the billboard light things and it's like okay that's just kind of cute because that was one of the big ones of the first movie even though atari's you know it's not that, 
it doesn't not exist anymore, but it's obviously very different and doesn't, you know. <laughs> They're not the big success. They're not the next. I mean, if it was Sony, they would have nailed it, you know. Oh, sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I think there was a Sony one in this, though, as well. I, I feel like I Might saw a been. Sony. I feel like I saw a Sony. Not not a PlayStation specifically, just a, like a general general Sony one. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so yeah, obviously they had fun with that and the big holograms and lights and I do like that there's some actual miniatures used for some of the buildings because there's some good behind the scenes footage of them doing that because they wanted to give it like a sort of tactile feel and so, some of the you know, shots of the, the, the flying cars just flying through the city early on are, are really beautiful and it's, it's, it, it, I, I get so frustrated that I don't I'm not just in love with it like you know like when I see like certain moments of shots in this movie like I want like, I feel like I should love this I feel like I should be giving this a 10 like just based on those ball moments and then there's just stuff in the story and the characters that just does not click and i'm just frustrated at, at various points mm-hmm. uh obviously a lot of that we're getting spoilers but yeah, yeah i don't I, I definitely don't share that sentiment like when i saw the film i was just totally blown away and i still continue to be impressed by it i think uh the themes especially that are presented in the films are, are in this film is really like enough <laughs> enough to like keep me interested and keep me thinking about the characters even after I've watched it I mean no there's, there's great ideas in there I, I don't deny that this is the frustrating thing about talking about this movie is that fundamentally I don't have a problem with any of the concepts that are played I actually even quite like most of them Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some characters that feel weak to me I think Robin Wright's character kind of sucks Uh, she's not like terrible when she's on screen or anything but I just I she comes off as kind of a, a caricature of this type of character in a in a movie like this. She's like the police chief kind of like stern character. Um, I think the sort of the main villain that actually like fights and stuff. You know the uh, the replicant lady. I think she's kind of dull. Um, I don't really get a whole Love? lot from her. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel much from her. I I thought she was like kind of a standout the first time I watched it. Um, she she comes off as like. I don't know, just generic hench person to me, in a, in a lot of ways. Like, and they're really- I don't know. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers because you know she's a replicant and like she's, you know, what she's designed to do. And that, that's not but a spoiler. She- like that's made very clear. Uh, yeah. You know. As soon as you meet so her. her motivations and stuff, like, are I think are pretty fascinating to look at. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's just there's a lot of elements that I don't think there's a, there's a. Yeah, the other thing I want to mention is super spoilery, so I can't say it. But <laughs> there's another thing that I think is really underbaked. I, I, I wish I just like I, I, I almost wish that they didn't bring any characters back. I almost, and it's not that Harrison Ford's bad in this, or that he doesn't have some good moments. But I almost wish that they just left it behind and just they just made a new story. Just made a new story about this because 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 Ryan Gosling's story, like his his character Kay, um is the most interesting character um like his journey has like in the way it mirrors a certain character in the original film i won't say who uh again just in case anyone's watching this with all those in the movie and they don't want it spoiled mm-hmm. um i i think is the most interesting thing about the whole movie and it's the part that i think is truly inspired but there's definitely because I, I think the movie's pretty strong for the first 30 to 40 minutes I think once we first meet Jared Leto is when I start to like feel like going downhill a little bit, and that's also when it starts to hint at something that I really didn't like, like I'm hinting at. Oh, like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, 
turns out it actually adds to a really cool thing to Kay's character, which I kind of dug. But it it just yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying because yeah. I when I watched the film, I had the same thought. It's like, oh, okay, so this seems too easy. Like mm-hmm. we figured it out too fast. And, and there there is some contrivance that there is such a convenient thing in this movie that especially this time annoyed me. Like I I got really annoyed because I think the first time I watched that. Like, I was obviously unpacking all the stuff we learned that when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, wait, we introduced that in one random scene. And it's just very convenient that this thing connects to that thing. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I'll, again, spoilers. So I'll get into that in a minute when we dive in, which I feel like we're going to do soon because we're dancing around too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we, talk, we can do spoilers. <laughs> is, is there anything else you want to add, though, on spoilers? um i guess the uh the, the score is just a lot of sound effects <laughs> which is, is i mean it's good it's very atmospheric there's it's not something i think i'd want to listen to outside of the film there's fun moments um if i remember correctly i think the composer who was going to do the film passed away uh oh, wow. before they did and you know so hans zimmer was brought in and it's you know it's a very hans zimmer take on the blade runner mm-hmm. um thing there's, but there's, there's some motifs and like sounds that come back and there's a theme towards the end that comes back you know there's definitely blade runner elements sprinkled into it and that's that's kind of neat i mean the, the visuals and the the sound and the music and all that stuff is still my favorite things about this world and it's still it's, it's, it's the thing that's consistent between the two uh my, my the only critique being maybe is i thought some of uh jared leto's lair was a little maybe just overlaid designed I mean, it looks, like the Ty- it looks like the Tyrell one. Yeah, but I think because now they have the, the extra, like, tech to, like, make it completely clean. And, like, it just mm-hmm. felt a little too fake to me, just how smooth everything was and how there was nothing. Because in the original, yeah, you've got this sort of similar lighting and you've got kind of this, like, sort of rich, like, element yeah, to it. Yeah, because but... whenever, whenever we're following, like... um the people who like it's a class thing so the people who are in the lower class where it's always raining and like foggy and ugly and dirty mm-hmm. and then you got the tyrell and and uh leto's character in this one who lives so high up that they're actually above all the rain and they always have sunshine coming through yeah but i'm talking about the, the room he has which is like a platform in the middle of a pool and there's just all yeah. the, the reflections of the water on the walls, and it's just it's just it's it's so perfect and like designed with like nothing. Like, there's, there's, you know, like put, well, put, his character like, is also blind, so like, why would he need to have anything other than just blank walls? Well, I'm not saying put things on the wall. I'm saying like, I don't know, like have some buttons in the wall next to the door, or like a trash can <laughs> or something. It just it feels so fake because it's just so empty. It feels like it feels like a fake movie set. It's too I think clean. It, I think I think his character being blind and like designing the world essentially that is that they're living in, he can only see it through technology. So, so everything becomes more and more technology based instead of being natural based is like part of the themes of the film and his his layer, if you want to call it that, being just so stark and straight line and sleek and boxy looking. It's just again it's like reiterating that theme of being so removed from nature i hear what you're saying <laughs> i still don't like it okay 
Is that going to be this review in a nutshell? Well, I mean, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> arguing the the because I mean that was a fine bit of analysis to try and justify it, and you know maybe that's what they're going for, and that's that's cool, but. It doesn't change the fact that every time we cut to it, I go, oh, it's the villain layer. It's the evil villain layer. Whereas, yeah, sure, <laughs> Tyrell in the first film had his, you know, his ivory tower and it was very kind of, you know, the, the mood, like orange lighting with the water effects and stuff. But it still felt like a room that someone built. It still felt like something that someone lived in. It still had tables and chairs and like it had, it still felt like a place. And... Mm-hmm. This just felt like, oh, movie villain lair to me. It just it felt a little bit too stylized to my taste. That's all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then... Uh, I'll just try that. That was what I mentioned. Spoiler free. Um, yeah, cast is... You know, otherwise, you know, Gosling's good. I do like Harrison Ford in it. Um, yeah. If you need someone to sit still for a long time and look concerned you get Ryan Gosling <laughs> yeah, I, I Mass is good in it um, and yeah she's also definitely a standout people knew her name after this movie yeah this is the first thing I saw her into um, I, I mean I think we're pr- we're probably going to disagree a little bit about how good her plot line is but <laughs> but that's okay okay <laughs> Like, I think great ideas, I think the execution's a little lacking. That's all I'm going to say. Really? I think it's really hard to, like, not fall in love with her in the movie. But that's okay. Ah! Yeah. Is, the, is, the, is the lonely man of the two of us? I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I, I feel that, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, we'll get spoilers. So full spoilers uh, for... Blade Runner 2049. Uh, we could bring this out of sections, I think, quite neatly. Uh, your opening section. Well, actually, I mean, you've got a lot of text before you get to the opening. There's a big, big, like, explanation of not only what replicants are, but the fact that they were outlawed, and then this guy, Jared Leto, who's like, what, Wallace, I think his name was? Um, yeah. He, like, because he saved the planet from, like, famine with his tech, he bought the remnants of Tyrell's corporation that brought replicants back, and now everyone's okay with it. Um, what I thought was interesting to point out here, which I think is super important for the story, and particularly if talking about, you know, if Deckard's a replicant or not, which he definitely mm-hmm. is, by the way, uh, is that it does say in this text that only select Nexus 8 replicants had the, the lifespan limiter. Not all of them did. Some of them, it specifically says that the ones who yeah. didn't have that are still being hunted down. And that's why Blade Runner still exists. Because the modern replicants, which is the one of the ones that uh, our main character K is, which is not a spoiler, it's the very first like conversation he has in the movie, mm-hmm. reveals this. It just, they thought, we're not doing the mystery again. I did, I did love that one, because of the trailers, they didn't tell you. But yeah. the, the opening scene in the film, they're like, okay, he, that, that thing you were wondering here, is, it clears it up right away. Yeah, and it, obviously <laughs> the movie plays with that. It's a big part of his character. But, mm-hmm. um, it, but it makes it clear that replicants from back not all of them had this time limit on their lifespan so yeah that explains if deckard's a replicant that part's not like a like a plot hole or something like and he definitely is i think this movie basically like i think it's written as if deckard's a replicant they just left enough wiggle room so that it was still technically ambiguous i i really like that i i thought Mm. it was really cool that they didn't feel the need to have to answer that question just because they were a follow-up 
sequel. Yeah, well, this is the funny thing, is that Ridley Scott and various other prominent people from Blade Runner were all just adamant. No, the ending said he was a replicant, that's what the ending was. Well, Harrison Ford doesn't think so. Which is probably why they didn't specifically say it. They probably were doing it to appease Harrison Ford. (laughs) They probably didn't want to piss him off, so like, you know what, we'll leave it. Maybe. I think think it's cool that they don't address it at all. I think that's a bolder choice. And they don't, they don't, they don't need yeah. to give, they don't feel they need to answer that because then it changes your viewpoint of the first film. Well, I disagree with that last point just because I think my viewpoint of the first film is just he is a replicant. I don't think it. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on which cut you watch. If you watch any cut that's not the theatrical cut, or I suppose the international cut, because that's just the theatrical one with some tweaks. But if you watch the director's mm-hmm. cut or the final cut, like, the ending scene is a replicant. <laughs> like, it's just it's very... I like to I like to leave it open. I I like that it's not clear. Okay. In I mean, both I, films. I think it's pretty clear in both films, but it's just there's just enough if you really want to believe he's not, you've got enough of a little bit of wiggle room. And I also for the for the, for the purpose of this movie, which is like replicants can have kids, right? That's what the whole plot revives revolves around. That yeah. is way more effective thematically to me if both parents are replicants rather than one is a human and one's a replicant. No? Maybe I mean it came from a, a mother. That's that's the only thing that matters for for Kay. Because he thinks if you're if it's if it came from a mother, then it had to be a natural birth, which would mean you would have a soul. Which is a debate to get into, but mm-hmm. I, but I'm talking more about the you know the, the the group of replicants who want to like take their race forward and you know revel you know have a revolution. Like I I feel like thematically it's more powerful if it came from two rep you know if the baby was sired <laughs> conceived uh, by mm. two two replicants rather than one human and one real because it's because it's like oh do you still need human sperm like do you still is that still a integral part of the process to get it going or i mean maybe the only because the only real difference is that replicants are you know they are biology they are the same it's just that they are created by humans the non-natural way yes Yes, and, and big sacks, which they came yes. out and they're covered in jelly. And yes. Jared Leto gets all creepy and maybe, maybe stabs you. Uh, <laughs> um, so, the opening, right? So, it's uh, Kay flying out to this sort of, on the outskirts, a sort of protein farming land and the Evis Batista. Uh all the tension here, I think, is great. The way Batista comes into the the house and like Kay's sitting there and the, over by the window, and he's not—he doesn't really notice him. And then he says something, and it's you know, it's, and it's kind of a play on what that opening was in the first movie, which is the tension of like, okay, because obviously we don't know right away if he's a replicant or not, right? Mm-hmm. We, we assume Batista is because he's here to find him, but then immediately he he refers to we, you know, like you 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 hunt our kind down, and he's like, no, it's not you're not my kind because you run. And it's like, okay, all right, immediately replicant. Fine, let's get yeah. out in the open. We're not, you know, dealing with that. And he says some of the themes of the movie. He talks about, like, you know, the only reason why you're still a slave to them is because you've never seen a miracle, because you don't believe in anything. Um, and they have a fight. Uh, eventually, Gosling, you know, has to put them down. Um, and it's when he scans the area, there's a, there's a box under the tree... Uh, which eventually turns out to have bones in it, which turns out to be Rachel from the first movie. Uh, which is, but before we even get to that, because because they, they have to send out a dig team, so there's like a bunch of stuff of like we see him going back to the precinct, 
We get to see mm-hmm. the city. It's all very pretty. We get to meet Robin Wright. We get to see that he takes this test to make sure that he's not, you know, off personality-wise. He gets tested every time he comes in. Um, Don't want to get uh, decommissioned. Yeah, and we see that he's basically a victim of racism. Like, people constantly call him a skin job. He gets graffiti on his door. Yeah, even other replicants don't like him, obviously, because of what he does for a living. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a... But he comes home and uh, he lives, like, a normal life. He's got a wife who cooks for him. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) He doesn't have a wife. He has a hologram that he pretends (laughs) is a wife. (laughs) He's got a companion, yes. (laughs) Which, this is my question. So, would we see this advertised later, this, like, AI, like, girlfriend thing? Mm-hmm. It's, it's still Anna de Armas the whole time, right? That's playing the role, and all I could think was, wait, they only have one like model. Like, there's no like, <laughs> like you, you buy this tech and you don't get to choose. Like, you're your perfect woman. <laughs> no, but don't get me wrong. She's a pretty strong contender to have that will <laughs> please most of the audience. I'm not saying she isn't, but it's just yeah, the, she's just kind of like the the perfect blend of um, like is uh, just- everybody's like pretty girl. <laughs> Or is he just lazy? Is this like when you're creating a character in an RPG and you're too lazy to change out of the options so you just went default? (laughs) I'm sure you can like change like hair and preferences like that and stuff, Mm. but maybe it all, yeah, the the default is Anna de Armas. I mean, she was cycling through different hairstyles anyway because she was like doing different outfits and all all sorts of things. Um, I I, I did like kind of the the clunkiness to it though. There's there's, like a sort of like, like rail on his like ceiling with the little projector thing that mm-hmm. moves around so that it can it has to be wherever she is and one of the plot points here is that he pulls out he's, he's bought like a portable unit that so she can just go around wherever she wants with him um, yeah and it can project her so they have this emotional up in the roof uh which honestly it's maybe the first thing in the movie I, I don't think is quite right and it's not that it's bad i i just felt this went, went a bit too like emotional for something like for, for for this hologram girl that you've just introduced and for Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. who I'm starting to get into and I'm like, I'm appreciating like the role building of like how he's treated and you know, how he functions in this society and all that. But they have this really quiet moment where like the music swells up and like they're they're pretending to touch in the rain and I'm like okay. And I think it's interesting that we start this movie more or less in the rain. It's not the very first scene, but I think it's interesting that we have a scene on the rooftop in the rain, but we don't end that way. We actually end with snow, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of a intentional kind of swerve on like the because the the ending of the first movie is very famous you know it's the the classic tears in the rain right uh and insert joke about something in the snow uh but (laughs) just tara's gears try to figure out what i was implying uh in tears (laughs) i'm not gonna explain it the the, the people with the the bad senses of humor will get it it's fine um so I thought I was going a bit too far now admittedly it does kind of pay off because it has this moment that kind of emphasizes how not real she is because yeah. she pauses like she gets a phone call and she just freezes it's like ding 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 you got a call yeah. coming yeah just to emphasize right, well, it. it sets up that theme also is that she is very much like the love that she is giving even though she's a program she's an AI and her program is to be exactly what Ryan Gosling needs, which is a companion that loves him. Um, so it is very much like this emotional scene. Like uh, when he gives her the the present, even her reaction is just like disbelief. Like, I can't believe I'm going to be able to be out of here. 
and not be restricted to one room anymore. Like she seems to want that. And then when she gets that, the, the moment of being in the rain and then she simulates being wet, like her mm-hmm. hair gets wet and stuff in the rain. And she goes in to give them like this most romantic kiss for this romantic scene. And then yeah, cut because she's, there's a phone call coming in and she freezes and she's in this ridiculous pose when he pulls away of her doing a half kiss. And it is a stark reminder of, okay, well, was all that real? So like, no, it's not at all. Yeah. It was all programmed and stuff. <laughs> like, okay. But that, but that's, but that's the point of it because that's very much like one of the big things of the, of the movie is that if her feelings aren't real, then maybe Kay's feelings aren't real. So yeah, that, that's, that's obviously, yeah. What it, what, what, I, I think my, my problems with like, like, cause her name is joy, right? Cause that's what they call the program is G O I. Um, which actually is an acronym that she used online for something else, uh, <laughs> which was a little distracting to be honest. <laughs> um, it is seeing the movie. It, it, yeah. Just, it, just don't, don't Google it. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a sex thing. Huh? It's, it's a sex thing. Yes. Uh, boys. <laughs> So, but it, it kind of links up with what she is, though, in a, in a way. Uh, so I think, it is, I think it may actually be intentional. I don't think it's an accident that it, it matches up with, with what it is. Um, so, what's. I, I think part of my frustration with this character the first time, and I, I don't know if this was better or worse the second time, but even in the first viewing, I kind of like. As soon as they introduce this portable thing, and especially later on when we get a scene where he's like, I'm going to have to like delete you off the uh, the home computer system because we can't have them tracking your memories or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And they make it very clear that she's in this portable device and if that gets destroyed, then she's going to die. Um, you know, effectively. Um, is that, I was like, I kind of feel that like this is all just a little bit choreographed and designed to make me care about her or at least care about how he feels about her so we can have the sad scene later where she's destroyed and mm-hmm. that's taken away from him um and I, of course like i understand what we're doing here is like the idea of feelings like how how real is real at what point does it matter how synthetic something is but if you feel the feelings and and and, and so on and so on and obviously yeah. there's the idea as well that he k as a character needs something real to believe in and fight for which he doesn't really get until late in the film and that's kind of this big ending sort of arc is he finally gets to you know die for something that he believes in right for a good cause which is actually my favorite thing about the whole movie is how it how it uh, plays off of uh rutger Hauer's character in the first film is that we're not following i mean we're kind of following both of us we're following both the blade runner and the the rutger Hauer. But I feel like more so as the movie goes on, it becomes a Rutger Hauer in the sense that it's not about... Because Rutger Hauer in the first film, it's really sad, his death. His death is really sad because he... He he has no choice in how he's dying. He's just on a timer and he's going to die. And he gives his famous Tears in the Rain speech. Mm-hmm. And it's not a coincidence that the same little melody plays as Ryan Gosling like you know sits down on the steps and sort of like peacefully dies. But he dies having done something like he put himself in a position to die i mean he may have survived but he knew what the risks were and he made a choice saying that you know, this is i'm willing to do this because i believe this is something that i i care about i'm willing to die for so he right. he, he dies with choice and believing in something and it, 
that that i think is one of the most interesting things that this movie does and obviously everything with with joy as a character um is about him having something that's not very real and when he meets harrison ford's character he meets deckard it's like oh there's actually something very real that you should have and you don't and you don't appreciate it and it's something that i'm longing for it's, it's almost a data thing in a weird way it's like they are longing for those human emotions. Yeah, and... it's actually more like um, uh, another character that you haven't seen yet because he's in Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> which is the Doctor who is a hologram. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. And, uh... there, and that often comes up. Like, if he gets deleted, he'll, sure, he'll, he can come back, but he won't be, he won't have all the same memories. It won't really be him anymore. Like that kind of thing that that danger is always present yeah no i i think it's it's, it's totally there and the, the idea that he wants someone who gave up his relationship with his child uh to such an extent that he was willing to like you know re, you know give them this reunion by you know dying for it because he believed in it that much i, I yeah. think that is a, a fascinating character arc um my problem with the joy part specifically is that it feels she feels like such a plot device to me that i, I never really connect with what, what, what that has his relationship with her never connects with me because i just kind of see her as a tool to get to that point to make to make a point in the story and it's a really hard thing to critique and i don't really have an answer for this because ultimately if something's not clicking for you and you're just seeing the, the plot serving like device that it is as opposed to like getting lost in the story because I'm sure there's other things that I like that you could sit and like nitpick and say, well, technically this relationship only exists to serve this purpose later in the movie, and you'd absolutely be right to say it. But when I when I watched this, and this is now the second time I've seen it, I just I never really felt much for them as a pair. Um, and I and because it leans so heavily on it in the middle of the film, you know, once he's like especially going on the run, and once we get to um all that stuff where she's in danger because she's on this separate little device and all that, um. I thought it falls a bit flat for me. I, I, it's funny. It's definitely better than the romance in the first movie. But I have to say that for the second movie in a row, the romance at the center of the film kind of hurts the film for me a little bit because it just doesn't land. Hmm. I I don't share that. I I definitely buy the relationship that he's having with her. Because, I mean, he like he'll take her with him to just do, you know work and stuff and like looking through a microscope at, at objects and just you know clicks her on so he has some company with him and i think you know she's obviously very cute around him and she's always she like kind of lightens up the scene a bit when she's there and we get to see him a bit more vulnerable and open up to to somebody because whenever he talks to anybody else he's always super cold and doing his doing his job but with her, he you know he's a bit more loose. I think um, she's basically like Wilson and Castaway when you think about it. But you know she looks like Anna Darmus and she has this personality that is perfect for him because you know that's what she's designed to be. Yeah, I I think I want to make it clear though that I, it's not that I don't buy it. I understand it. I understand what she is to him. I understand why he feels the way he does about her. I just mm-hmm. never feel it. Is that, does that, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense, uh, but, but I just, I never feel it. I never feel a connection to it as a, as a relationship. Well, when she does actually die, if you want to call it that, um, then I, I, I definitely feel it. Like I felt the, 
her like last words to him are just, I love you. Like she knew she was going to die, but she still made the effort to do that anyway. And sure. Yeah. It's a program. She's programmed to love him, but there's still like a sadness there when she's gone. Like, and that's, you know, amplified even more when he sees her again in the advertisement later on. And he has that moment of like, well, it, you know, she's every, it even says in the advertisement, like every joy is everything that you need her to be or whatever. And he, he has that, that moment of that, that what I have with joy wasn't really real, even though it felt that way. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just really into the film and into all of that, but it all worked for me. It feels like, I guess the best way I could describe it in a, in a, in a, like a, a simple phrase is that it feels like a swing and a miss. Like that, the death itself, where evil lady stomps on the thing, like, I didn't feel anything from it. I just kind of, and maybe it's just because her's so good at this. Maybe it's just because her was such a good movie that explored this idea. And I got so much more out of that. But in her, the, the operating that, system... That is the whole film in, in her. No, that's true. But in her, like, the operating system at a certain point did feel like she had feelings and she was sentient and there was something And she there. was also talking to, like, a regular human. That's true. That's Not a replicant true. who's, like, a, a cop or a detective who's super cold all the time. But I, I got it in that movie. Like, I, like, I, I felt it. I understood it. I, I related to so much of the, the loneliness and so much of the, the emotions that that movie was playing with. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- this, on the other hand, like, like I say, it starts off just fine, but the the more it goes into it, the the less I kind of like felt it. And I I think part of it is that, um, like I I wish I don't even know what I want from it. I, part of me thinks that I need to spend more time, like, comparing him to Deckard, so that the the idea of like him make any sacrifice so that Deckard can have the real thing that he would would want for himself. And he sees that as being super important, and he sees that as a, a valuable thing to 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 chase after. Um, that'd be, I think, that may help. Part part of me thinks that maybe Ryan Gosling just like needed to emote with her a little bit more to make me really like care. Because I I know you're saying he does say like more like person, you know, some more personality, and he's like lines in those scenes. But I don't know if I would say that he feels like more comfortable with her or. Like he's still very stoic. He's still Ryan Gosling playing a robot, <laughs> effectively. I suppose so. <laughs> um, he's, he's not Wally. Okay, this is not Wally just, and Evie. I, no, <laughs> I just like the fact that he's like, I'm just in a room by myself. I'm gonna have my girlfriend with me. I wonder like that 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 character decision. I think is still even enough to be like, I just like having her around. I wonder if it would have worked better if we'd like started at the start of the relationship, like maybe like when he first bought her, like maybe like have that scene and have that kind of like play out, like you know what drove him, what, what sort of like beat in his life made him go, I want to, you know, buy this, you know, program. I think I think it's just letting us know that you know replicants get lonely also. They just want companionship. They want to feel something. I know I buy that, but I I think there could be some art in like him. Almost in like a like a heart, or even like Rent a Pal, which is a movie I watched last year. Like, yeah, I watched it too. Like, give, give us that moment where he like sort of lets himself be convinced by it, right? You know, where mm-hmm. not that he's scared. I'm not saying. I mean, he's still a replicant. I'm sure he's still very stoic when he first turns it on. But what's the moment where he it kind of starts to rely on it, or he starts to 
I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just like more meat there to, like, really give it to to make it all click for me. I I just I don't know. I just I don't feel it. Uh, it's a shame because okay. I want to. But this is it's frustrating because I, I want to love this movie, and there's just certain things yeah. about it that just don't click for me. And I'm try I'm trying to like find the reasons why, and I don't want to be too like like. I know this is this is you know reasons A, B, and C why this movie does not work because I don't necessarily <laughs> feel quite that strongly about why it doesn't work. I just know it doesn't for me. I did click on the IMDb um, review section. I was just curious what people thought of the film. People seem to I love like it the, generally. Yeah, it's rated like I think it's rated eight point on the, and most people I talked to who who saw the film like really loved it. And eight point um, for the IMDb eight point is really high. Like that is that is yeah. a high score in IMDb. But if you go to like the first page of the review, it's mostly like three star and under, oh, and really? it's all just people who are fans of the first one that are just like, how dare Hollywood <laughs> do this and turn it into a joke? Miss the entire point of the first film. Um, <laughs> I was just really surprised. Like I guess those are the most upvoted ones, so that's why they're on the first page. But it's uh, but it was very surprising. I I don't know. Uh, so uh, the criticism is not unique to you, is what I'm saying. But the, the type of criticism is is a new one for me to hear. Oh, tr- oh trust me, I I am like wait until we talk about the Last Jedi. Like I I am different from everyone else who doesn't like that movie. <laughs> my cri- well, my... yeah, because you're not like a sexist <laughs> asshole. <laughs> My criticisms are all my own. How dare they put women in my films? <laughs> Did Laura Dern just speak badly to my male character that I am rooting for? How dare she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I it, it, it's a frustrating one because like I, I want a, I want a cyberpunk movie to love so much, and there are technically cyberpunk movies I love. Terminator is technically a cyberpunk movie, but it's obviously not like a futuristic like sci-fi city like noir kind of thing. Um, yeah. I I want to love a movie with this aesthetic so much, and just, I I've never seen one that I actually like that much. At least not that I can think well, of. Matrix is kind of cyberpunky. Yeah, but even that's different, no? Because it's I mean it's cyberpunk. I'm not arguing that, but it's not this type of cyberpunk where it's in the futuristic city with all the neon and flying cars and shit. Like, yeah, that's what I want. I want a, I want a movie that I really connect with with that aesthetic. Damn it! I, I want, actually, speaking well, of, well, I have one. Yeah, well, you have one now. So good, good for you. <laughs> I, speaking of uh, connections to the first film, one of the first things that he does. So they find the bones, and they're like, "Oh wait, this this was this this woman, whoever she was, was pregnant." And then Ryan Gosling like sort of continues looking at the bones and finds a serial number, and is like, "Hey, this is a repi." Funny. <laughs> Did you think it was funny that it, that he didn't say the word enhance? It seemed almost <laughs> intentional. Like it was actually it wasn't even this scene it was later on when he's at like the the records and he's looking through all the dna sequences of all the people and and the records that Mm -hmm. that that to me was this movie's version of the enhanced scene (laughs) but yeah Uh, so so the fact that she's a this was a replicate and obviously i think most of us go well it's probably rachel this is probably her Mm -hmm. um and one of the things is that when the when he goes to like the wallace building and he meets uh what's her face the villain lady they go to the love. records love that's her name okay uh and 
they basically they, they hear what the only thing that's remaining about her is the the test that she took in the first film so we hear like a sort of dodgy recording of deckard asking the questions and i thought all this was good stuff i, I thought this was all like oh this is interesting i love that the the elements of the first film are playing into kind of this this mystery of, of what's going on um which is kind of why i'm so disappointed that some of the mystery elements feel so like just contrived and easy later on but um yeah what i was getting to though is that after this he goes but now that he's like got deckard like he, he knows like this deckard blade runner was like involved in all this he goes mm-hmm. to see edward james almost and what honestly and i love edward james almost because i love battles of galactica and it was nice to see him but this is just kind of a worthless fan service scene. Like this, didn't, like this adds almost nothing to it. It was, yeah, it was very much a let's just bring back a character from the first film that fans will like to see. Yeah, I, I don't think that's like I don't think there's anything in this scene that you need need to have from a no it plot was just, level or anything. The fans are going to want to see him. He's still alive, so we should put him in the film somewhere. <laughs> He's still alive. Oh, everyone else died. Reel him out. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I love the guy like I, I was happy to see him but uh i've never watched um battlestar galactica so i only really know him from the first Blade Runner. Well, <laughs> i'm well, sure he's been in other stuff i've seen but i i don't really know him from anything in particular what's, what's funny is that because obviously battlestar galactica was in the 2000s so he he looks more like he does in battlestar galactica in this movie than he does the first blade runner yeah he's so, almost like unrecognizable as the same yeah. person so, so to me, like, you know, he sits down at this table in this old folks' home or wherever it is, and I'm like, it's, it's Adama. It's Admiral Adama. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Adama. He, he, he'll solve all the problems. Um, mm-hmm. So... Just but, wait till you watch Tron, and you'll get to watch uh, Sheridan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Young well, Sheridan in the film. Yeah, sci-fi. So... We'll do it at some yeah, point. Yeah, of course we're going to watch it. I'm not looking forward. I didn't like Tron when I saw it the first time. So. I think I think Tron is fine, but I really like the sequel. <laughs> I've never seen Even the sequel. Though there's some tropes in it that I don't love, but like I, I, I thought the sequel was a lot of fun. I, I've, never, I've never seen the sequel, so I, I can't comment on that. Uh, but I, 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 you know, the concept sounded so cool, and then the movie just bored the absolute tears off me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, where are we? So, so he's investigating, and he tries to track down the like, the orphanage and his car gets attacked by uh, rebels or, or raiders <laughs> that are in, in uh, San Diego. Um, he goes into like a, a sort of labor camp where this this awful guy is like making all these kids work, and what you know wants the records of you know the kids that came through because there's, there's a date on uh, the horsey. Yeah, it's like isn't that the orphanage? Is the labor camp? Yeah, but I don't know if I got the impression that this was always what it was. Like, I, like it, may, it may be sounding like this used to be an actual orphanage, like, in the way that we would think an mm. orphanage would work, and it sort of turned into this over time as San Diego became this. <laughs> yeah. It is a pretty gross place. And the guy who's running the place is, uh, like, actually assumes that Ryan Gosling is there to buy a child to, like do things to yeah he starts he starts talking to him like a car salesman he's like oh we got yeah. all kinds is strong big small all mm-hmm. all all shapes and sizes and races what, 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 are, you, what are you in the mid for what's, what's your pleasure today <laughs> sir it's like well you're a creepy shit yeah <laughs> uh here's my officer badge <laughs> <Yes>. um. <laughs> i i demand some records and of, of course this is where uh it ties into a previous scene where robin wright came came over to him and asked him about if he had any memories 
Like, and mm-hmm. he knows they're fake. He, he knows his memories are fake. And yeah, I like that scene, actually. Where she's like, I just want to know something about your history. Like, mm. she's she's talking to him like like a person. Like, tell me about yourself. Like, obviously, she's worked with him for a while. Um, and But they just have a some sort of um friendship looming and i think it does turn a little bit like awkward even like yeah did she like did maybe she, she was going to put some moves on him i actually thought she kind of like even like not not overtly but it, it kind of because she said it has a line like um you know what happens if i have another one of these drinks or finish the ball or something like that and i think the implication was like am i going to get laid if i yeah, if, if, if i stay and he's like i think you should go <laughs> and she's like Fair enough. And just like, I was like, okay. Um, yeah, her character's weird to me. Like, I feel like she kind of like does a nice thing for him later because she like gives him like this like 48 hour window later on when like mm-hmm. he should really just be like decommissioned like right there and then. Um, but she's also like adamant she wants this child of replicants found because if replicants find out they can have a kid, then all of a sudden they're not just like mechanical things anymore. They're not just fake things. They are a race. They are people yeah. with rights and. Uh, yeah, I mean, she even asked him, like, is that a problem? And he goes, well, I've never killed anything with a soul before. And it was one of those, like, things that, like, ties into the rest of the film also. Whether or not he has a soul or if something is born, naturally, does that make it, like... Like, what's the difference between being created versus being naturally created? Well, yeah, I, I think, to, to me, that exchange... If the mind is the same... That exchange to me, so T says that he's never killed Adam a soul before. Uh, you know, if it was, mm-hmm. again, if it's born naturally, that means it has a soul because it came from a mother. And, you know, she says, what's the difference? I think the the irony of that exchange is that the truth is, is there is no difference. Like, you, you equally have a soul. If you, if you can think for yourself, then that, that you know, that, that issue is soul status as far as any yeah. measurable metric goes. But uh, I think but... people do think about it differently. Like if you, there is something more than just the mind to us that like the, the consciousness that is like, that is not there. So if we create like AI, you know, in this film, it's described as humans lost a, the taste for, for slavery. So we had to create something in order to be able to, to, to replace that. And they came up with replicants so which are basically humans but without that one thing that makes them human which ironically is exactly what jared little wants he wants to be able to make the replicants breed so that he can keep up with demand if they can keep having which at that point they're just a race of people and yeah you you know that but just to get the the previous point across though i think is really important is that he's concerned that if well or not he has a soul but her response you know what's the difference kind of also answers his question there is no difference you do have a soul because you're thinking about it if you're questioning if you have a soul if you are an individual like yeah then what is the difference like it's not a definable thing so if you have all the all the makings of a human being then shouldn't you just be equal yeah because even he sees it as different yeah, well, well and I, I like that exchange, and I like what that does for the themes of the film. I, I, my problem more is just with her as a character because I, I, I don't like she isn't really that likable. Uh, so when she's like murdered later on no. by love, I'm just kind of like, am I meant to feel something here? Or, <laughs> or well, I mean, I mean, she she isn't in that she's also like like him. She's just 
a police officer who's just like, I, I'm just, her, my character's just here to do my job. But she does have these little exchanges. Like she asks him for a memory, like, tell me about yourself. Tell and me she, about your past. And, and then she lets him, you know, get away when she didn't have to. But she's when also love comes super, up and attacks her. She holds her ground. But she's also super gullible because she just, she just takes his word that he, that he did it. <laughs> she trusts him. Yeah. I just felt really easy to me. It just believes him. I don't know. It's just, it, it rang a little bit false to well, me. Well, I don't think replicants are known for lying. No, they're not meant to be able to lie. Uh, yeah. That That is true, but... Yeah, I don't know. This scene still felt weird to me. I, I don't know. Like, her her, enti- her entire, like, relationship <laughs> with him okay. feels weird. It's okay. You don't like it. It's fine. It feels weird to me. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... He finds the, his little toy horse, right? So the memory he had, he realizes that he's in the same location. And he finds this little wooden carved horse. Uh, or is that a unicorn? Maybe it is a unicorn. <laughs> I think it's just a horse. It's, it's, horse. it's just, it's where the, um, it, it's where his memory said it would be. Yeah, but I, I'm just thinking it. unicorn maybe would be too on the nose. But unicorns were a thing in the first movie, so it wouldn't yeah. shock me if it was a unicorn. Um, yeah, I think it was just a horse. But there's, there's a date on it and it's like, okay, so... Uh, that matches the the, the date of the of, of the kid and all that, and he, he he starts looking into like it's the same date that was on the tree that was yes yes that's over right. the the box of bones. So he assumes so it's, the, it's, it's a the, birthday or a death date or, yeah. or both. So he starts looking into like you know kids born that day. The records are a bit wonky; doesn't seem quite right. Um, wh- wh- where I thought the, the the movie's pacing kind of felt a bit weird to me was this kind of middle section because it kind of felt like he was ready to go and like look because because after a bunch of stuff happens he goes to like a guy who can like trace like you know radiation that's on the toy and he's like okay it must it must have come from this area because it's the only thing that makes sense yeah. um and then that's what you recognize him. that guy I, he's the captain now I'm yes the captain now uh so <laughs> and that leads that leads him to vegas which is where where deckard is right and all mm-hmm. i kind of felt like there's no real reason for him not to just like immediately do that but instead, there's a whole like sort of segue where Joy's like got Mackenzie Davis, who we saw briefly in one scene, uh, try and like talk to him. She's like a replicant prostitute, and Joy wants her to like sync up with her, so she's kind of inside the hologram. So it it looks mostly like uh, Joy, but you can sort of see Mackenzie Davis kind of like peeking through at times. Yeah, it's, and... a, it's a nice it's a nice work of special effects where they look like two people just blended together. And there is a slight delay, so if Mackenzie moves first, then Joy mm-hmm. has to like follow and and sync up again. Yeah, and and obviously Joy, when she's hired, there's completely explained that you know what they're doing. So she's she knows what mm-hmm. the, what she's there for. She knows that she's like a surrogate and all the rest of it. And it's surrogate vagina. <laughs> nice. <laughs> don't don't put a little like that. It's also. The boobs and everything else. <laughs> the whole thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> all, all, uh, all, all the pieces matter. Um, so, and, and then she just like you know gets told to leave. She does plant like a little tracker, which is important for plot reasons. Um, which is one of the things that I, I, I didn't really like. This whole secret group of replicants. It seemed like it was setting up for another sequel. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's partly why. I also just kind of felt like it. Like they had the one scene where the one woman told her something earlier on, which is which, which is when she first went up and spoke to him, and then she had obviously this scene with her, and then it's after the whole Vegas stuff where they show up and kind of save him, 
and explain like, oh, we're all replicants and we're we're going to fight for a better future for replicants, and we all know that this this baby exists and yeah, not. they've or one of them at least has witnessed the miracle. Yes, um, and of course the the point of the film as well is that Ryan Gosling in discovering this real child that came from a replicant is the miracle. So you know, neat. Um, but I I, I kind of hate the scene. Where like they all show up and like the the main woman's got like the the missing eyes. It just it felt so hokey to me. I'm like, what what are we in now? Like some some spy movie <laughs> with like a secret organization <laughs> is I don't know. It it felt a little. I guess I I sort of assumed it's because McKenzie Davis like knew that his character was important and that mm. because she had this intimate moment shared with him, then she knows that he's more than just. Who, who he is on the surface. Um, and I think it's like her character is important for him because she represents something like him. Like, like he, even though they're both replicants, like she wants to sleep with him and he denies it because he would rather go to like his, his fantasy girlfriend at home. He's just more comfortable with that. I think that's also important for his character to have to, for us to watch that he doesn't see um, something that's more real as a um, as an option because he would rather live in his fantasy. The, the only thing I like about this uh, secret group, uh, well, I, I like the idea that the idea of replicants kind of like trying to like become like a proper race and having their well, own race. it's a bit of an extension of the of Rutger Howard. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. It's it's an evolution of that because instead of being like a crazy band of forced thugs who are just killing people in anger, they've evolved into being a group with ideals and goals and want you know, it's just more of a peaceful diplomatic kind of thing. I mean, not, or a revolution. Yeah, revolution, yeah. yeah. But the the one thing I really like though in this, honestly, is the idea because the thing I hated when I first saw this and I still kind of, like, as much as I love what it does for his character, I still kind of hate the teasing of, could he be Deckard and Rachel's son? Could that be him? Because I, and as much as I really like, because the one thing I really like about it is at the end of all this, is when he's disappointed that it's not him. And she leans mm-hmm. in and says, you thought it might be you. You you believe that it could be you. And we've all dreamed of being that special. And, yeah. we're, and we're not that special. And we all want it to be us. Yeah. yeah. Um that 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 one element rung true to me and I like that part. Yeah. I, they I just all want they want something more than what they have, which is like the fuel for a revolution, right? I just think all the scenes that play out with him thinking it might be him and like him telling the story of the dream that then matches up with something later, it all just feels so painfully pedestrian and predictable in a, and and when I say predictable, I don't mean in a like well, I knew- sure, but it's a red herring. Well, so- no, let me, let me. Uh, when I say predictable, I don't mean in that I knew where it was going. I mean more in a. Like I just see the scenes playing out and setting up things that I know are going to be paid off later. Again, this is going back to it not clicking. It feels this feels more like TV writing to me, where it's just sort of going through the motions of setting up the two or three key things that they were then going to have later. And the scene where all these like this this revolution of uh, replicants show up to him. It looked didn't look a TV scene because it, you know it's it's Deacons and it's the cinematography is great, but the way it was like staged 
felt really TV to me. It felt like just a, a bunch of like extras walked out of the darkness and she's monologuing and I didn't think she was that good. And I, I just... I like the ideas that are being presented. I love what this like real this this harsh realization that it's not him. I like mm-hmm. the idea that he believed he was special and he's not. I love that concept. I just wish watching it play out was actually more engaging because I just even in this time knowing where it was going, I didn't really enjoy any of the scenes of him thinking it was him. The only part really? I like the even, o- even when he went to the woman with the dreams. Oh yeah, I hate that. I, no. This is one of the worst things about the whole movie, is the fact that the woman who makes the dreams is the goddamn daughter. I hate this. This is so easy and I just so it. contrived. I hate it. This, like, <laughs> just, like, the woman that he goes to see to find out mm-hmm. that if his dream is, like, maybe been given, because he, he, he's not too stupid. He sort of thinks, well, what if the dream that I have, or this memory I have, what if that was given to me from a source, right? What if it's not just made up? What if it's someone else's dream has been like transported or teleported teleported transferred is the word i'm looking for thank you transferred mm-hmm. to him right he has that thought right so he goes to see the dream because maker he, he does have the, the horse so he yeah. knows it something is real yeah there's, 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 there's some part of this memory is real but he does he's smart enough to at least consider the idea that it's not his memory um and he goes to see the the memory maker and she's in, she's a, a immune compromise, so she's got kind of like a big bubble sort of get up, and she makes and we see her making like a birthday party memory, so she's just sort of like doing like hologram stuff with a tablet, and she's like la 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 la, and conceptually that's all fine, but like watching it this time, because I had forgotten like like how little of her there was the first time I saw it, so he comes to see her. He shows her the dream because she's got like a little, you know, do you put your head in that and just sort of think of yeah, the she's memory. Yeah, she's the best and she can yeah. she can tell you if it's if a dream is or if it's something made up or if it's a, a memory that's been transferred, as you say. And I was already thinking at this point, I'm like, you know what, this feels really convenient that this, this woman happens to have this job, that she happens to be this, that this is her role in the world. Um, You know, Deckard's kid mm-hmm. <laughs> is this. It just, it feels so small and like like just like just really like convenient writing to have it be this character that he's run into in a way that doesn't feel i don't know there's nothing there's nothing about who isn't it kind of nice that like the 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 child of the replicant maybe two replicant parents is the one that has the most creativity i mean that's nice make the real the most realistic memories and and dreams for replicants that's a nice idea, but it's uh, it still feels really easy and convenient to me. And just, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a moment here when she sees this memory and she tears up, and it's clearly her memory. When you know that it's going to be her, the, yeah. reason, the reason why she tears up is, and she says this is definitely a real memory. And you get the feeling like, oh, maybe she feels the like the the, the the emotional weight of the memory when she's looking at. It. You know, that, that's what yeah, you maybe think the I first time. I remember the first time yeah. watching it was just like, oh, it's probably really affecting her because she's basically she lives in a glass bubble she can't do anything so and her whole life is just creating these things so when she gets something that's real it really affects her a lot more i mean don't get me wrong the idea that the first ever child the natural child of two or at least one replicant is immune compromised okay that makes some sense maybe it's not she's not perfect (laughs) like genetically speaking there's there's some quirks (laughs) um that makes sense but 
I just I found myself like, are we not going to see her again till the end of the movie? Like, is, is this literally like the only setup for her character in the entire thing? Is this one scene? Is mm-hmm. and he just happens to run into her, and his investigation yeah. just feels super convenient and easy to me. It really annoyed me this time. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I I didn't find it annoying. That, that, I actually really love the scene, especially when um, like when Ryan Gosling realizes that it is a real memory and not something created for him Mm -hmm. and he like he's been so stoic the whole film but he actually like breaks down and screams like he can't he can't he he it's basically solidifies to him at this moment and for the audience too that it's him like he's the one that's the child i mean isn't even though that turns out to be wrong doesn't la in this future have like a ridiculous like huge population like Mm -hmm. So even in like a present day setting, it's ridiculous that someone in that say just a normal city, you like you'd run into in the plot, and it's like connected to a character. Like it just it felt so soap opera to like oh that one character he ran into halfway through yeah. the film is is the daughter. It's I don't know. It just like that's, that's right. Just, well, it that, would have it would have to be though because she's the one who makes them who made the memory. So like it has to be somebody who makes memories that would transfer this one. Excuse me. That, that was, was that was loud. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had a spring on my microphone arm. The um, but like it, it, she she would have to be, unless the memory came from him, which it didn't, mm-hmm. but he thinks it is, or the memory ha- would have to come from somebody who's creating them. No, no, you're right. They're in this corner where it does kind of make sense it's her because, like, whoever makes the memories gave them this memory, right? Yeah. I, no, I agree and she with... never admits to it, so... But... Yeah, no, I, I understand that line of logic, but it, my problem then is, well, yeah, but I still find that just, like, really... Just, of all the things this kid went on to do in her life, she ended up doing this. Mm-hmm. And that becomes kind of a... The problem with that is that the character who finds Rachel's bones is the same character who happens to have gotten her memory, right? So, whatever way you want to look at it, there is a, a, a double like connection here to him, which I don't like. It feels it feels contrived to me because there's two paths to him through the same overall plotline. And okay. and and in the, in the in the context of the plot, there shouldn't be because he actually has nothing to do with any of these characters, right? That's that's what we find out. He's not their kid. Well, he He's... could be the decoy. Like I don't know if this memory has been planted in other, uh, you know, replicants, and they just you know see it when they sleep at night, also, or if it's, or if it's specifically K, so that mm-hmm. he's like the the male decoy for this girl, so that she can keep living. So that because he's been implanted with the memories, then that would mean if anybody wanted to like go down that road, they would lead them to to him instead of her. Potentially, although he's not like keep in mind she's about thirty, right? Because it's been thirty years since the you know the bones were buried, she di- and she died. Rachel died during childbirth, so we know that you know mm-hmm. they match time wise. Um, keep in mind that he you know he's only however many years old. You know he doesn't. He didn't exist. Uh, so, so unless she's like continuously, well, he, he, unless she's continuously making more intentional decoys, but mm-hmm. I don't get the impression that she's actually trying to cover her tracks. Like, I, I don't even know if she knows who her parents are. It doesn't seem like she does in the film. 
No, but the people who set things up for her did make a decoy, so... Yeah. I don't know. No, but I, I'm pretty sure that was just, like... Because Decker said he taught them how to mess with the records to make, make her disappear. Uh, it, what it sounded like is they basically cloned like a, a like a baby's death or something like that and said mm-hmm. okay this is also her and that's, that's why the dna match between the two that's what i got from that scene anyway okay um, yeah that, that checks out more than than what i was thinking i mean unless he he either there's either multiple decoys at this point where she is trying to get them to to, to chase him instead but I don't think she knows because I don't think she knows who her parents are, and because because Deckard even like says you know he handed her off. If I didn't even meet her, I don't think he was even there for her birth. He, he said he he went away because you know we were being hunted. You know that that was one of those lines when he goes to see Deckard, where obviously it works as just him and Rachel, but it really kind of sounds like he's saying we as in replicants, replicants. we were being hunted, right? You know it kind of, and it's the yeah. same again with Jared Leto, where Jared Leto says to him. You know, maybe you you two were designed to fall in love with each other. But he adds on, just for the ambiguities, like, if you were designed. Like, oh, yeah, very mm-hmm. good. <laughs> very good, Jared. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I just, like, there's, it, it really, like, th- this part of it was worse for me this time. Because as soon as he saw where he goes see her, I went, oh, this is a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Um, I just don't. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me because I think the movie's so great, and I think it, like the job that she has, with her background, like makes you think about it a bit more. Like, I think someone much... who, who doesn't get to experience the real world, or someone who comes from possibly two replicants, that is the best at what she does, which is making something feel real, for replicants. That's a nice idea, but uh, you know the mm-hmm. journey to her. I like, I, I I like her like plot purpose for 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 the ending, which is you know the idea that like Kay believes that Deckard should be reunited with his daughter, and that Deckard himself has been refusing himself this connection for like most of his life. I mean, all of her life because he you mm-hmm. know he ran away before, and he did this as a sort of sacrificial thing because he saw this was the only way to protect her was just to never be a part of her life. He he, he couldn't find her if he wanted to. Um, and the idea that he's been denying himself that part of his humanity, and the idea that Kay says, "No, you're going to reunite. You're going to you're going to have this, and she she deserves you. You deserve her. Yeah. You should be in each other's lives." I love, love all of that. Important. Yeah. I love all of that concept. I really do. But the actual character is this is him because one of the things that I said about this movie when I first saw it is that Gerald Lott's character. Not only do I think all of his scenes should be cut, I actually think he would work better as an off-screen character. I think him being an unseen kind of like force who's just behind like this company would actually just work even better because my least favorite scene in the whole movie by far is when he's with Harrison Ford you know, they've, they've kidnapped Harrison Ford from his Vegas hotel and uh, they've brought him back to his lair and he whips out a new replicant a copy of Rachel and they've, obviously they've got CGs on her face to make her look all the same age and yeah, all the rest great. of it um, you know, I, I th- this is you know whenever it hinges on Deckard's feelings for Rachel, I'm like I don't give a shit. I didn't buy it in the first movie. I don't buy it. <laughs> it. It doesn't work now because she's technically dead. Well, I mean, I buy it more in the second film than I do the first film because it's 
you're not seeing anything from the first film other than their initial like attraction to each other. <laughs> because... But that no chemistry though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she's not really there, so like it's all based on Harrison Ford's reactions to her memory. Yeah, but now even I'm not talking about the duplicate. Right? I'm gonna say even before the duplicate shows up. Yeah, having any emotional weight hinge on how he feels about her is is like a is like an empty thing to me i don't feel anything from it because i just like as soon as well, he starts I, talking about I, her I, I did because i i found it like the way he he spoke about her in the past was like he loved her and that this was a really hard decision for him to leave but they he had to do it for the reasons of love i mean we watched the first movie and we go well i don't really buy that love story but in this one like this this is the whole thing that happened after that film so maybe they did like have more chemistry the way he talks about her in the past is that he, well, he has real emotion they, for her they didn't have much if she died 30 years ago she died the same year the first film set at most they had months together i mean maybe but it's still his at least the emotions that i'm getting from him in the film feel very genuine i mean if she died 30 years ago and like he fled before she gave birth then like she must have got pregnant. Like she, she must have been knocked up in the first movie. Like when they had sex in that first movie, that must have been the the point of conception. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't really think about the dates too much, even though it's in the title of the film. But it's it it seemed to me like the way he spoke about her in the past was that he, like the the emotions there were real for me. But obviously, in the first film, that is lacking. Yeah, but I, they don't have to interact in this film, so it it, it works. Uh, no, I, it doesn't for me at all. I I can't get over it. I I can't just pretend that it that there was there because it wasn't. Like you, this is like uh, it's it's not retconning story, but you're retconning. At, at you know at working, <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Yeah, you're trying to retcon <laughs> chemistry. And it's just it's not there. Um, so. That that falls flat for me completely. Okay, and, and... well, I mean, like, people talk about their dead wives or whatever in film, and it can be very emotional. Like, for me, watching it this way, like, that's how I thought of it when I was watching it. And if I'd never met his dead wife, this may have <laughs> <might have> worked. <laughs> but I don't know, I just... I, I didn't feel it. And some of that is the baggage of the first movie. Uh, but probably almost all of it is, to be honest. Um... Yeah, I don't think Harrison Ford is bad in this at all. No, he's not. He's not uh, bad in any way. Um, I, I did. Did you did you feel that the the their fight scene before they finally talked? You know, when like Gosling first comes in and uh, Harrison Ford's all like, "Yeah, what are you doing here?" and uh, they end up like sort of stalking each other a little bit and having a bit of cat and mouse game. Did did that feel a little bit just kind of like, ah, oh, well. People expect this. They want like the the replicant chasing the replicant like sort of scene. <laughs> well, a possible replicant. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Possible re- alleged <laughs> alleged replicant just to be legally on the up and up here. <laughs> I I I enjoy that scene a lot. That's one of those scenes that I remember leaving the theater going. That was great because <laughs> it's it's a scene of of like New Vegas, um, post apocalyptic Vegas, which is already like we actually brought this up in the countdown that we just did last week but like i love the the big like pervy statues of women everywhere like sure vegas has just gotten so out of control but this is what it is now 
um, well, it, in the it, future. Cl- clearly it got out of control and now no one comes here. Like, this is, you know, so it's, it's deserted well, now. It's, yeah, it's also, yeah. Uh, there's too much radiation for people to, to be there. Um, I'm not quite sure how Harrison Ford survives, but um, I'm Rap sure it's the movie. I just missed it. Replicant. <laughs> Higher tolerance. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, Maybe. Maybe he just found a little pocket where he's he's safe. Which is because obviously one of the things they bring up a few times in this movie, the blackout, which I think it was like an animated like short film that like explained it more when the movie came out. But they referenced this time and all tech kind of shut down for a period of time. Uh, and it was uh, and it was a long time ago. It was like twenty something years ago. For the sounds of it, because uh, the the guy the the Wallace place was talking about it. He said he was a kid when it happened. So that gives you a bit of context for uh, what right. went on. So. I don't know if that's related to like what happened to Vegas, maybe. But it did occur to me though that the, the, all these fancy holograms they've got of Elvis and Marlon Monroe, like this mm-hmm. tech was at that point before this had to be deserted. So I thought that was interesting. That like, I I really enjoyed it. Like the the it would have been really easy to just have like Elvis singing a song and like Frank Sinatra singing a song and like having this really like high octane fight because of this cool music that's happening behind it. But instead, it, it, it just comes in and out like it's always broken, but like trying to come through. Uh, and it makes the fight like have this uh, it, more horrific, like it's more suspenseful that way because it just at any point like Elvis can go on stage or something or just flash. And sometimes it, there's sound and sometimes there's not. It gives like almost a strobe like effect to their 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 shootout. I yeah. mean, it makes sense why Decker would like try to shoot ryan gosling he's a blade runner and harrison ford's on the run it makes sense i i, I just it felt a bit it was a bit long for what it was i just i don't know it's uh, this was again more of a repeat viewing thing where i got to this scene and i kind of feel like all right okay we want to have them fight for a little bit before they talk it's kind of like when you watched a marvel movie and we have oh we have to have them fight each other before they finally team up uh, just like it was unique enough though and it was a cool look at this future world for like a familiar place for me anyway because part of part of me was thinking just just whip out the horse they just whip out the horse he's going to recognize it <laughs> just <laughs> just whip out the horse because even because even once he's up in like the bar area he sees like all the other little sculptures so it's clearly and it's kind of neat that decker took up scott it's, it's almost like he, he was inspired by he, tr- he tried to do the fancy paper uh mm-hmm. things but he couldn't and he thought paper mache unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> so he thought Oh no! You know what? I'll just carve wood. I'll, car- I'll carve wood. <laughs> That'll be my thing. <laughs> so, so sure enough, yeah. he, he he carved some wood. Um, he's probably he's probably bored. I mean, if the future is anything like it, 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 the way it's going now, that there would be less and less like books around and more technology based entertainment around. So, if there's a blackout and he's stuck in Vegas, like maybe he would just go to wood cutting or yeah wood sculpting instead something with his hands because there'd be less to do the power's back on though the holograms are working maybe there's like a theater in the building they can go in (laughs) i'm sure that marilyn monroe was on standby yeah Yeah, (laughs) i'm sure he made sure his lonely nights were (laughs) taken care of (laughs) even if it was just that hologram marilyn monroe um that would probably probably uh cover that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah 
I mean, that's not to say, I mean, all this, most of this section is beautiful. Like the journey into Vegas uh, yeah, is really Deacon's, nice. Like every shot is like a, a, a photograph <laughs> that you would want to have on your wall somewhere. It, it's just kind of interesting to me where I think Villeneuve's like main strengths aren't action. So whenever like it come, becomes a fight scene or when the, the explosions start and they're like running from and they're trying to like fight uh, at this section, it's, it's when I think it's at the weakest where I'm just kind of like, Oh, this just kind of feels serviceable compared to the cinematography of all of the beautiful vistas and the slow mooding, you know, the brooding kind of stuff that most yeah, of the movie I, is. I guess I, I kind of disagree because I think there are some really standout action scenes in uh, in Sicario, which I know is a movie you don't like. But I mean, the one scene at the Mexican border was really good, really intense. I don't remember it, so I'll, I'll just nod <laughs> and be like, okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, but that leads to Deckard uh, being taken for his interrogation with Jared Leto, and he is then uh, K that is is saved by uh, the the replicants that we brought up earlier, uh, and then he like has this moment where he he's, for for some reason like Nudity is not a problem in the future. Apparently, they're okay with big holograms of uh, of Joy just. Uh, Full, I mean, we don't see full frontal, but it's you know implied that it is full frontal, uh, from like his yeah. perspective. I mean, we see, we see the butt. We see butt. And we see boobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we see the full body of the, the her her backside, so we know that she is totally nude. So so full so full 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 backle. <laughs> full butt crack. Full butt crack. <laughs> full reverse cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all the terminology i don't think that's one of them <laughs> maybe it should I'll be take though your word for it maybe it should be uh so and he has this moment you know he's staring up at this big purple hologram of joy and he's kind of having this really and this is like after he's had the the scene with the you know realizing that he's he's not the special one you know and you know the women even talked about you know having something to feel that is worth dying for you know dying for a purpose uh mm-hmm. actually there's someone else said that earlier in the movie who said that someone said that i can't remember who said that now but he, he thinks about it because he because he, he he has like a, an audio flashback where you hear it again uh mm-hmm. later on but sure enough uh when they're flying deckard out um over the water he shows up in his car and takes it down this fight seems okay I, I thought there was some interesting stuff in this because the water's filling up the car when it like goes down uh, and Deckard's like try to struggle to breathe. Um, yeah, he's he's still tied up, so he can't like. Yeah, he can't like keep his head above the waterline. Like, there's a lot happening going on in the fight. Yeah, I, I thought this was a much better, like a more intense fight scene. I, I like this one a lot, especially with the interesting idea that they're at the shallow end of like the the, the on the other side of the dam. So there's like waves coming in, and they're yeah. You know, I, I I dug that element of it. I thought that was a nice like visual. Um, and he kills love, and we haven't really talked about love too much. Uh, you said you liked her, so would you like to try and like defend her when I said she was kind of bland? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think her name is interesting. I, I don't really know what the message is there for her, other than maybe that love is dangerous or <laughs> love can be cruel sometimes. The, well, the only, well, the only like interesting. I mean, she cries when like. Uh, what's his face? When Leto kills the replicant that the newborn. has just been born. Yeah, yeah, the newborn. Where he's like, "You're just not good enough." Because he touches her stomach, he's like, "You can't get pregnant." Slice, like, and he gets mad and 
yeah. you know, effectively kills her. Um, the one line she has that's telling to me is when she thinks she's won the fight at the end mm-hmm. here, she says, I, I'm maybe misremembering. Like, I'm the best or something. Yeah, I'm the best one. Like, I'm the best replicant. It's effect- it's, yeah. That's the sentiment. I don't know the exact wording, but that was the sentiment. I'm the special right. one. And I think it's interesting that she has this warped sense of wanting to be special, whereas Ryan Gosling's character has accepted that he's not special. And that's part of being human. We all kind of have to accept that we're not special. <laughs> and those of and those of us who yeah. don't are either assholes or end up being like Hitler, right? Because you you have this <laughs> super ego. <laughs> and you try and Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So um so that one little line, okay, there's a bit of a counterpoint there. Yeah, I guess you. Yeah, you're right. Now that you bring that up, that is the the real parallel is that she is. Uh, I think she accepts what replicants are, and she still ha- strives to be the best at that, so that she's more accepted in the world. She's, um, effect- she's effectively saying she wants to be the the best and like well treated slave. That's effectively right, and she thinks that's worth like fighting and dying for yeah um but of course she's kind of close-minded to the actual real freedom that could be had or the real life that could be had if like things change yeah and she's i mean she is called love but she is exceptionally cruel like when she goes after people she'll um stab them in the back she goes and people don't have quick deaths when when it's love that's doing it when she goes after uh robin wright's character she like crushes her hand with while she's holding a glass so mm-hmm. the, all the shards of glass are going through her as and she's making this last a long time yeah she kind of came off to me as like a, a villain from like a matrix sequel in this when i watched it this time i was getting oh, that's, like crap. that's pretty cruel i was getting i was getting kind of crazy so she's got like a cool look and she's got that, that rigid like friend she's got and she's meant to be like dead. she has a scene like early on or like halfway through where she's like like commanding the drones when they're like, they're firing upon the mm-hmm. uh, the rebels as uh, K's like try to get into the orphanage, and she's like getting her nails done as she's like yeah. doing this while and... she's murdering. <laughs> yeah, while she's murdering people, and I thought this is a bit over the top. Like I was like, okay, I get it. She's oh, villainous. I... Well, not just that, but like everything is so in control. Like even her hairstyle that you brought up, you think is ridiculous, but I think it shows a lot of her character. That like in order to have bangs like that. You have to keep those things very like that's a high maintenance hairstyle, and it's very <laughs> tight, very controlled, and I think that shows a lot of her personality coming through, and the fact that she yeah is her murdering is nothing to her like she's it's just something that she does. This is what she's great at, so, to the point where she can do it while she's getting like something too superficial done. I agree that's the purpose. I All I'm saying is that it's a bit cheesy in its execution because it is so, like, in your face. It, feel, it feels like... Like, just paint a moustache on her. <laughs> like, just just do it. <laughs> she's, she's, she's that evil and maniacal. And, like, she's going to have her nails done as she's, like, ordering drone strikes, <laughs> you know, through her magic, like, tech eyeballs. Like, I don't know. She comes off as so... Like, one of the things that I think that I do like about the original film more than this one is there really is kind of like a like a grittiness to the original which this has in parts but some of this is just a bit too empty and clean at times and mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's moments like this where the villains in the original Blade Runner as much as I think the hunt for them is not that interesting because that's the part of the movie that kind of ultimately fails all in the love story is that 
they feel like messy characters they feel kind of real in the sense that they are kind of erratic and they're they're not really quite all there and they're trying to understand what they are and who they are i i think i feel that more from those characters than that than whereas here like she's just more of a straight villain and i just kind of get like movie trope vibes from like how they're presenting her and her villainy and i agree that it's it's, it's intentionally doing all this to, to say what you were saying like you know it's showing you that she is this rigid with her appearance and every element of her personality um but she, she's she, what she is she's the unlikable villain version of um grace dallas howard's character from jurassic world that's what she is she's she's the evil super villain version of her <laughs> yeah i guess so uh maybe it is a bit tropey but i think it, it plays well with the with the themes of the film still like she, like you were saying like she is sort of this mirror of what um Kay is is striving after which is being special like she she has it figured out like this is she doesn't want the status quo to change because she is the best at this she is the best one and if that changes then she's no longer special Again, I have no problem with any of the themes or any of the ideas. I think they're all ideas that I love to explore. I, I just don't know. I, I just don't like how they're portrayed at points in this. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's why I said. I said it just doesn't click at times. And I'm I'm trying to explain why moments and characters in this just fall flat for me, where I just don't feel anything from them. And she is one of those characters where I, I just don't feel it. Um, all right. So... I thought she was awesome. <laughs> I don't know. When I left the film, I I I thought of her character and Anna de Armas. I thought they were both the standouts. I think Anna de Armas is good in the film. I just think that the relationship itself is not that great for reasons that I previously mentioned. Uh, this villain, though, I actively disliked her this time. Like this is this is one of the elements that got worse for me was was mm-hmm. was her character. Um. That said, though, if you got rid of Jarletto and she was just the main villain on her own with like an unseen like boss person, it would maybe be slightly more interesting. I don't know, but uh, then we get to the ending, which is they go to where uh, Decker's daughter is, and he's like, "No, I'm just going to stay here. You go in and meet your daughter." And we get the theme, the little melody that plays in the first film, and, and when Rutger Hauer's dying. And it's my favorite part of the movie because it's the part where I'm like, okay, I, I, I totally get the point of this and what you're saying about the comparing these two characters and how this is a much happier ending because while he's still dying, he's dying he through his something. own choice. You know, he, he made a choice. He died for something yeah. he believed in as opposed to dying because his makers decided that he wasn't allowed to live anymore and that there's more freedom in that. And th- that, that in turn makes him special. You know, he became special because of his choices and his actions, not because he just happened to be special. And that is a really nice sentiment, and I love mm-hmm. that we don't have to go sit through a crappy conversation with Harrison Ford and this other, you know, other character. I love that it just cuts to black as soon as like, you know, we don't even get to like she doesn't even get to realize who he is. He just knows who she is, and he reacts mm-hmm. to it, and it cuts to black, and that's it. Directed by Denny, <laughs> right? Um, like I think the ending, the the last three minutes, is perfect. Yeah, much like Rutger Hauer's speech in the original Blade Runner. Is perfect. <laughs> I just don't like how the stories in either of these films are told. I think this one is better than the first one, but not as much as I did the first time I saw it. I I actually think I like this film less now that I've seen it again, hmm. uh, which is a shame because I was hoping I'd like it more. And unfortunately, the problems of just kind of 
Like, they were, they were worse this time because this time, like, it's like, okay, it's almost three hours long. And when I'm sitting through some of these scenes that I think are just kind of like, okay, I get the point of the scene. God damn it. Move on to the, like, <laughs> like get, get on with it. I love, I love the pacing in the film. I think it's such a beautiful movie and the, the, the world that's been created here, like, obviously for me, it's the best part of the first film and we get to see more of it and it lets you, it takes its time. It lets you like really get into it and, and take in everything that you're seeing and hearing and yeah, that's what's, that's what's I, funny, it's, it's such a nice slow paced beautiful film that's what's funny though i love the slow paced shots i i love the, the the slowly walking through the vistas and flying through you the just city don't like it no but i'm saying it's, that's not the part that i think feels slow to me the part that feels slow to me is like the conversations it's the mm. getting to the point of you know the, the, like i've already gotten the point of the scene or i've like i understand what it's, it's saying already and i feel that like the characters are like taking so long to make the point and i'm like this is why this movie's almost three hours long <laughs> um and i get that this is an unpopular opinion and uh, you know i'm glad you like it because unlike the first film at least someone on the, the show is like arguing for it at, at least there's some <laughs> there's some this and that in the argument as opposed to um and I want to love it so much. I love the cyberpunk aesthetic so much. I just don't like how the story's told that much. And I, 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 okay. I, it doesn't click with me. Uh, and my rating is going to go down for my first viewing. I, I, I like this less than I did the first time I saw it. Okay. Yeah, I like the ending a lot too. I think it ends really strong. I love that that Ryan Gosling like parts ways he doesn't need to see the full thing through because his part is done and that's all he really needed to feel like he was he did something was to get was to get Decker to his daughter mm-hmm. and the rest from there doesn't matter and he can die like at peace yeah. and it, if it if we can even call it dying which I think we can we see him as a human yeah, we do. And you're right. Like, we don't get the conversation. We don't need to hear what, what they talk about. We know that, you know, he's in the room with her and he's accepted that he, yeah. this is the next step for she, she She's not a, really a character in this. She, she is, you know, a goal. The, the yeah. important part of this scene is that Deckard cares about meeting mm-hmm. his daughter. The fact that he, like, is reacting to it, the fact that he walked in the door and he is feeling something from it is the important part. Like, how she feels about it is almost, like, I mean, I'm sure she'll. I'm sure it'll be emotional. I'm sure she'll care, but yeah. that's not the important part to us because she's she's just the daughter that he needs to get to, as opposed to being a character in her own right. Um, yeah. and that's you know, and then that's fine in the context of, of of what it's doing. But um, this is so frustrating. Well, we made it to the end, so yeah. I guess we could just rate it. I just <laughs> at this point. I, I want to say that Blade Runner is a series now because it's two films that I want to love so much and. Like I feel like I'm probably going to give them another chance at some point. I feel like I'm going to watch both of them again, and like in yeah, five, I ten totally years, will. and I'm going to probably just be disappointed again and be like, "Why aren't these better?" <laughs> I want to love them so much, and I just don't. Like it's playing with ideas. Like, like there's so many. I mean, Battlestar Galactica we brought up that deals with like you know artificial people that are you know you know evolved from robots, right? Terminator evolved from robots. I love playing with those ideas there's other great examples too i love stuff set in the future I, you know i i love uh synth scores i I love so much about what these movies are but somehow the elements just don't click together for me even in this mm-hmm. one which other people 
you and Connor specifically, who don't like the first film like I don't like the first film, both seem to love this one. And I still yep. don't like this that much. I, if I, when I first saw it, I said that I kind of like it, but I have some pro- big problems with it. Now I'd say I'm kind of just lukewarm at best on it. So, anyway, yeah, we should rate, we should rate. But, um, I, just, I want to get over my frustration, damn it, because I want to love it so much. I really do. Okay, well, I mean, maybe you will revisit it and, you know, it'll go up again. And then, <laughs> who knows? It, when... It's funny that this is also taking the same journey as the other one. And I know it's a director that you really like. So, much like Ridley Scott. Well, actually, funny enough, much like Ridley Scott, it's a director that I'm very up and down with. Like, I love some of his films, and I don't. I just don't like some of his other films. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know Sicario isn't for you, and I, I think maybe you're lukewarm on Prisoners. No, I like Prisoners. I like, I like Prisoners. I really like Arrival. Not to spoil our thoughts on that because we're doing that soon. But yeah, maybe I'll hate it this time. I'll listen to it once. Maybe this time I'm going to be like, no, that's going to be shut now. My father hates that movie, and he's a big sci-fi <laughs> fan. Like, he's the one. He's probably the reason I love sci-fi so much. And so, what? You hate Arrival? Like, how do you hate that movie as a sci-fi fan? Sure. And he hated it because he said, because they make the scientists look dumb. So they have to get a linguist to do it. And he doesn't like that scientists look dumb. Like, like she's a linguist. She's also a scientist. That's also, but... sci- yeah, that's also scientific <laughs> and also, go watch Alien Covenant. <laughs> or, you know, even Prometheus, but Alien Covenant is even worse. You want to see dumb scientists? Yeah. Go, wa- go watch those, okay? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, is there? I think there's something else underlying that is like, you know, maybe politically rubbing him the wrong way or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. He's very I, sensitive to that kind. I of was stuff. going to call him in. I'm going to hold back because it is your father. I'll be nice, but uh, d- 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 I, I, <laughs> I did not like the comment. <laughs> they make the scientists look dumb because they have to get a linguist to do. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a strange one too. Uh, all right what, what are you rating blood road 2049 well i do love it um the the weaknesses i have in the film are not really enough for me to to like to i i don't know like i i still don't even really see that many weaknesses like yeah jared leto is has has a stink to him <laughs> a bit of a stigma when i see him on screen but i actually don't hate the character and i don't hate the scenes um, I think a lot of the things that you don't like about the film, I like for some reason. It, it just clicks with me, and it, it was such a an awesome experience in the theater to to have this epic sci-fi told in such a, a an environment that is awesome to look at and analyze. And I love all the themes in the film. I love the characters. I'm going to give it a nine. Not bad. There was a, a tech a hiccup in the middle of Tara's rating spiel, and I'm hoping that'll edit together nicely. I think she did well uh, to recapture that last sentence. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just letting them know because I'm I'm impressed. I thought you did a good job. Thanks. What are you going to rate it? It's a six out of ten for me. Oh, okay. I actually thought you were going to go lower. No, I mean, no, because the technical qualities are very high and, like, there, there are ideas I like about it. I, I wonder if it's a combination of a couple of things. I think, on the one hand, I don't think I connect to the characters as much as I, I want to in a story like this. And I and I love stories of, like, the, the, the robot or cyborg or whatever it may be, like, sort of connecting with their humanity. But I wonder if it's a combination of, A, 
not connecting to the characters because they're, maybe they're just a little bit dull in some ways. Do you think because our robots are too human that you don't really buy the story as much? No, 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 because there's a lot of stories where the, the robots are just humans. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's a combination of that and maybe also a combination of it not really necessarily doing anything that, like, new with any of the concepts. Like, you know, I, I don't think there's anything in this that's not been explored to some extent in other, you know, AI or robot or whatever movies, right? You know, you can sort of take pieces, you know, we compared some of it to horror, you can compare some of it to Battles of Galactica even, uh, which we brought that up as well. You can compare, you know, bits and pieces up to a bunch of different things. I wonder, like, like what if one of those, if, if I really connected to the characters or if it did something that kind of blew my mind with the concept, either one of those things might have, like, gotten over the line for me, but because both of them are kind of just in a like yeah they're both they're both solidly fine they're, they're fine it leaves me just kind of underwhelmed like you know i went into i was so excited when this was coming out i went in ex, you know like thinking this is this is, this is going to be my moon of, of 2017 or this is going to be my district nine and they both come mm-hmm. out in 2009 which is weird because i can't really say that <laughs> i can't say i can't use two examples from the same year but or it's going to be like uh you know whatever right pick pick your big sci-fi movie of, of a year that wowed me and i i, I loved and like praised for that year Avatar. I, <laughs> you know you know i know but i just went in thinking this is going to be a beautiful film that i might love like i do dawn of the planet of the apes and i came out just feeling disappointed that it didn't get anywhere close to that and then this time because i was going in with no expectations because i just you know i knew how i felt the first time I'm really sad that I like it even less because it means that the problems weren't just my expectations or just not getting what I was expecting from it. Now I just have problems with it. Mm. That So, as it's unfortunate, but... And I'm sure everyone loves this movie and I'm sure everyone hates that I've effectively shat on most of it for... Well, if it's anything from the first page of the IMDb reviews, then <laughs> they'll be on your side. Uh, with the exception of the uh not liking the first film if uh p- if people uh you know if the, if the loyal viewers and listeners um enjoy the show and you know want the show to continue its success maybe you know g- make sure you give it the uh the old thumbs up because i suspect there's going to be a lot of thumbs down on this one <laughs> because i i was maybe maybe i don't click with enough people's opinions of this movie and that's fine there's always going to be fine. that's what i'm here for there's always going to be some movies, though, where you just disagree with the, the populace. Whether it's because you love a movie that everyone else seems to think is bad, or because you don't like the movie that everyone else seems to love. There's always those well, sometimes examples. movies just aren't made for you. Or, like, it's too... Like, I'm not a New Yorker. I don't really like Woody Allen movies. And he gets nothing but praise. I know you don't really like him either. I don't like, but like either. I, I don't know if it's just, like, a New York thing. <laughs> but... I don't think it's a New York thing. I don't... That's, that's, that's... <laughs> Well, I know your New York experience is uh, Jason X, or not Jason X, Jason 8, Friday the 13th. It's literally called Eight. Jason Takes Manhattan. I mean, it's not that yeah. hard to, to piece the, the the puzzle together there. <laughs> <laughs> Jason X is the one in space. Very, very right. different. Yeah. Um, no, I... But I think the problem with that is that this movie is made for me. This movie is right up my alley totally. in theory. Yeah. Like th- this is the on on paper there's there's nothing more me than this. 
Like I, I went yeah. in, I went into this thinking it may be one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever if if they pull off what it feels like they're trying for, and mm-hmm. for me I just don't think they did. So and you got Deacons like even so every trailer that came out was just so exciting because look how yeah. beautiful this sci-fi movie is. Yeah, it's the, being taken so seriously and done with such a a, a director with such a you know a visual eye for storytelling. Tra- trailers did look really nice. And the first poster with just like him standing next to the car in the fog looked good. The rest of the posters looked kind of generic, though. I thought the posters weren't that great. Given, uh, I don't really remember. It's just still, it's just that it's just that classic blue and orange color, like clash mm-hmm. with lots of like people you know on the poster. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really yeah. Just generic stuff. Nothing. I mean, most of the main posters. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some like, limited ones, or like maybe Japan got a cool poster or something that someone is going to tell me about. But the most of the main posters were just the, this really generic orange and blue color scheme yeah, okay. with, with heads well uh, i'm a little disappointed that you know it, it didn't do well i was actually concerned because I, I i don't think it did very well in the box office to the point where obviously there weren't going to be a sequel for it but also that like it just seemed like such a, a, a like a, a cool thing that a studio said we're going to make a sequel to this film here's all the money you need to make something beautiful and big and you know if it failed, then maybe Denis Villeneuve wouldn't be able to get that chance well, again. But I mean, he's making Dune. So. Yeah. On that though, if if Dune, like like it doesn't do, like, well, it anything. can't do well. It's coming out on HBO also. Yeah, but some other things have done pretty well recently with that caveat. So, but like, if if it maybe this is the perfect time because they can't like just assume it's his fault. But like. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking when they announced him doing Dune, I was like, you know, if, if this is another big budget failure, like, he, he might just be back to doing the smaller indie style movie, which would be fine. Like, he's good at them. Like, you know, like that's not yeah. a bad thing necessarily. But, like, his days have been given like, hundreds of millions of dollars to do these big sci-fi movies might just be done. <laughs> because Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as somebody who enjoys, like, that, it's either we're going to get, you know, Blade Runner 2049, which is so beautiful, and I know you're lukewarm on it, but, like, it's such so exciting to get a trailer for a sci-fi movie that looks like that, rather than like the Tomorrow War, which would be, <laughs> which is the other version of like the big oh, box uh, office. For the record, this is better than Tomorrow War. I just think it's anyone accuses me of saying otherwise. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's not. Uh, that's not. You know, say silly things here. Um, I have no doubt there's a bunch of sci-fi movies that I do like more than this that people would scoff at, but that's that's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not gonna give example. I mean, I, I give us a six. There's tons of movies I like more than this. That's what make my top fifty sci-fi movies. So there's clearly everything mm-hmm. I put on that list is better than this to me. But that's okay. This one, I think this one made my list. Yeah, not everything. Oh, I'm sure you did. Not everything will click with everyone, and I hope people remember that before I get nasty comments saying I just don't get it. <laughs> well, at least they'll be nice to me, which is the only thing I care about. And if he's just too smart for you, you just don't get it. The girl gets it. She's smart <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> you don't get it. I, th- I always throw in that last part when I read comments about me. Like, <laughs> even if it's not there, I still read it. Yeah. Um, uh, what was, and, you know, I expect more reasonable responses for the most part because, let's face it, this is not going to be the same fan base for the, you know, largely that uh, the, the Snyder DC movies are, which is where I also get the. You just don't understand that Snyder's too highbrow for Oh, is he? Okay. Mm. <laughs> sure. Yes. It's that slow motion shot where the 
the the the, the shotgun fires Which one? off. <laughs> <sighs> yep. There's a lot of slow anyway. motion in his movies. Yeah. What are we doing next time? Next time, if you're interested, uh, we're doing a recent-ish film, actually. We're doing Synchronic, which is a film from the directors of The Endless, which we did a long time ago. Um, way back, probably in the first 50 episodes, I'll say. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, so, uh, and Anthony Mackie's in it, so they're, they're kind of like moving up in the world in terms of who they get in their movies, so I'm curious. They did do an episode of Twilight Zone, the new ones, that we didn't like very much. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there was other directors that did episodes of that we also didn't. There would be no way like that, mm-hmm. you know, didn't do good episodes of that. I'm not going to hold that, you know, I'm not going to hold them accountable for that. But uh, we're doing Synchronic, um, so look forward to that. Um, so yeah, I'll just, you know, reiterate, like and subscribe, all those things help us out a lot, and they're completely free to do. They're super important on YouTube, so please hit the buttons. Ding the bell as well, you know, next to the subscribe for notifications, so you make sure you get the notifications on the channel. Uh, for, for both the Ace and also, uh, Secret Hockey Mask, and when it returns, streams after midnight, um, so, and anything else that I've got cooking up that might show up soon. Uh, I'll also take this time to thank our Patreon producers, so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Tara, why don't you tell them more about Patreon? Yeah, if you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate, so it's $1 per month, you will get bonus episodes of The Ace. And uh, that's where we put all of our B-movie schlocky stuff and some other things we accidentally put there, like Time Cop. <laughs> Even maybe 95 Judge Dredd shouldn't have been on there. But, you know, we were new. We were new at this, so... T- time Cops, like... Mistakes were made. Time Cops in, like, the first four or five episodes, and it's still the one that Tara goes to most often to, like, sell the, the bonus episodes for people. Well, I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to hear our thoughts on Time Cop? Didn't we go to Chubbers <laughs> on that? Yeah, it was a good one. We, bro- we broke that movie down. And it's probably not a movie that deserves to be broken down, but we broke it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there, there's also like, you know, your favorite B films are there too. Like, um, anything with David Carradine, that's sci-fi. We probably have up there now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. have to get some more Jeffrey Combs in there in the near future. Ooh, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I've been on a Jeffrey Combs kick for horror, so mm. we can keep that, keep that train going. Mm. There's at least a couple of Gary Graham films in there as well, so. Uh, he is my favorite. So. <laughs> Go check out that. Um, yeah, I'd also get us on the the Twitters at Screams Midnight, which is now the Mailed Fuzz Movies like general Twitter account, which is for all the movie shows. So that's uh, at Mail, sorry, at Screams Midnight. Because it used to be the Screams After Midnight Twitter, which is why it's got that handle. Um, so go check that out. Uh, Tara does have to post for the thumbnail, though. I, I think she thought she got away with it because she moved me. I actually in. forgot. Yeah. Yeah, you moved me into the other parts. Uh, but here we go. I'll just slouch for all of these now. Three, two, one. Pause. <laughs> I'm going to like look at pictures of how people pose. Maybe I'll things. maybe I'll uh, like Photoshop your, your hair purple or something like that. Maybe a little hologram. Oh, okay. Just get, I'm fine with that. Get a purple brush and just. Tara's got purple hair now. <laughs> How's cyberpunk? <laughs> mm. 
You put my my cyberpunk video game avatar in there instead. Hmm. Yes. Hey, Firefly. My cat's on my lap, demanding my attention. That is the end I guess of the that show. That means the show's over. That is the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, that is the end of our Blade Runner twenty four end discussion. Uh, be gentle in the comments. Thank you. Uh, so, yes. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that anymore.